0: Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball. I'm Teddy Cahill. We've got Mike Lanana with me. And we want to thank you for tuning in today. Our college podcasts are sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ, helping health-conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Visit healthiq.com BA to see if you qualify. Well, Mike, it's uh, another Monday here, and that means we've got a new Baseball America Top 25 powered by Louisville Slugger. And this one, uh, you know, there's some changes, but at the top, uh, Florida remains number one as they have, this is the eighth week uh, this season that that Florida has been number one. Uh, And, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, I've seen on Twitter or in our Baseball America chat or, you know, just in general, you know, wondering what it would take uh, you know, can anyone beat Florida? Like, what it would take to knock them out of number one? And you know, I felt like this weekend, Florida was playing at Kentucky. Uh, that's that was a top ten series in a place where Florida hadn't won a series since 2012. And I felt like if it was going to happen, this weekend might have been the weekend to, to make it happen. And it it did not happen.
1: No, no, it did not. Florida just continues to cruise. They haven't dropped a weekend series this year. They honestly, and you know, some of this discussion was going around on Twitter, and obviously weigh in on this as well, but I think that this is a better-looking team, better-playing team, than the team that won the championship last year. I mean, you just look at the numbers. You look at the sheer dominance of what they've done this year. To me, it's no question that the Gators are the clear best team in the country, given the talent on the roster, their resume this year. Just just looking at, I mean, not dropping a series at any point, especially going through the SEC, and we've gone over just how deep the SEC is this year. It's insanely deep this year, and to be able to have this level of success is incredible, and obviously a lot of credit goes toward that coaching staff for getting this team vying for a championship again. It looks very much like a, a national championship favorite.
0: So the kind of one of the crazier things about this Florida team um, is that they already have a four-game lead in the SEC, uh, total in the SEC, not just the East, totally in the SEC after winning the series at Kentucky in very convincing fashion. Um, they, they've won series against every team in the East except for Georgia, who they haven't played yet, but they, they otherwise have taken care of business against the, the other five teams in the division. And basically what that means is that only Georgia can catch them. In addition, Florida's also beaten Ole Miss and Arkansas, who are the, the two leaders out West. Or excuse me, they, they haven't played Ole Miss. They don't play Ole Miss, but they already beat Arkansas, who's who's tied for the, the lead out West. And again, essentially, with a four-game lead, with 12 games to play, none of their closest competitors except for Georgia are playing them, this is... Probably only one team can catch Florida at this point, Um, you know, and that's Georgia. And it would take Georgia winning that series, bringing Florida all the way back to the field. Um, It's kind of crazy that we're talking about the SEC or that I'm talking about the SEC being almost done already. And and Florida still has to take care of business, of course. But um, the way they're playing right now, it's going to be very difficult for for anyone to track them down. And, um, you know, as to whether this team is better than last year or whatever – you know, I, I'm pretty sure I wrote an aid for Omaha last June that this team, the 2018 team, was more talented than the 2017 team, and um, you know that's bearing out. And it, it's one thing to say it's more talented on paper, but to go out and have the year they're having—they're 34 and eight—they lead the country in wins, like they're running away with the SEC. Uh, I mean, it, it's just been incredible to to watch. Um, you know, this team just just bulldoze through the competition. Yeah,
1: it's really something else. I mean, their talent level. We've always... I loved the pitching staff for, for a couple of years now. We knew they were going to pitch really well, bringing Brady Singer back, Jackson Kowar back, and then Tyson there on that Sunday roll after what he did in Omaha. But for me, you know, the offense, the way Jonathan India is hitting, he's batting 420, he's got 13 home runs, and you look at the rest of the lineup, they've been clicking all year long from an offensive standpoint to match that dominant pitching, you know, arms that are going to be first-rounders, in you know, leading that rotation, It's just, I just don't know how you match up against them. You know, they're on a different level than most of these teams in the country and in the top 25.
0: And, you know, with the way they pitch and with the way they're hitting this year, I feel like this is going a little under the radar. But you know it's a Kevin O'Sullivan team because they're fielding 982. Yeah. That's elite. Um, You know, I mean, the... The the pitching is incredible. We, we know that. Um, you know the hitting has really taken a step forward this year. Uh, you know as as a lot of these guys uh, mature into upperclassmen. Uh, but for me, just that fielding percentage and you know it sometimes goes under the radar. And um, you know I I really you know we we expect this out of a Florida team. But you know when you can field at that level, you know that in college baseball that that's just really important to take away. You know any extra outs, um, you know, and, and just limit mistakes and, and limit opportunities that that you're giving to to other teams when you when you make errors. That you know that's um, you know that that that's just a really important part of this puzzle uh, of why Florida is the dominant team in college baseball right now and, and looks like the clear cut Omaha favorite. Um, I, you know, I, we we can talk a lot about Florida. I love to talk about this Florida team, of course. Um, you know, but they're they're deserving right now. They're, they're showing why. Um, you know, they've had all this hype, and you know, again, just to, to live up to that, I, I think is also very impressive overall.
1: Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, because you know they're the team that everyone's circling on the schedule. They have a target on their backs. They're the, the reigning national champions. Of course, they are. Just in general, you're going to have that. But then the fact that they they open this year, the preseason number one. And they've been holding that spot now for the last few weeks, and they've earned it. I mean, there's, there's no question. Uh, obviously, I mean, there's there's some pressure there for them, but they've, they've risen to the occasion. It's a veteran group. I mean, just looking at their offensive numbers right now, I mean, they're slugging 500 as a team. It, that's, I mean, they're hitting 290. I mean, it's a, it's a night and day difference between what they were doing last year offensively to go along with an already electric pitching staff. It's just, right now, it just looks like an
0: unbeatable team. It looks like a freight train going through the SEC. I mean, they're, uh, they're seventh in the country in slugging. Yeah. I, that's, again, a far cry from what it was last year. And um, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just incredible. Um, so the way they dispatched Kentucky uh, w- was very impressive early this weekend. That was a Thursday through Saturday series, so that was over uh, on Friday night. They, they won the first two games before Kentucky uh, came back and, and got the third game behind a, a strong outing from uh, Justin Lewis. But the way that that worked out was that that meant that uh, you know, we could kind of shift the focus uh, to the other top 10 series on, on the weekend, which was a Friday through Sunday series uh, with, with North Carolina State going to Duke. And North Carolina State uh, wins the first two games of that series to to win it. Duke, again, uh, comes back and, and grabs Sunday um, in an important win for for the blue devils but state shakes off the the friday issues that they've had they they won on a friday or in game one of a series for the first time in a month um and that was important for for the wolf pack i think um you know just to kind of shake that off to to show that they can compete on uh in game ones and, and just to you know avoid having to continually come back from a, a one-game deficit, which obviously they've proved adept at doing. But it, you know, I, the, just the way they played all weekend at Duke, showing a lot of offense, showing a lot of fight, You know, I, I they're in first place in the ACC, and, and they're really showing why.
1: Yeah, another team that has been like a freight train through this conference. They haven't dropped a series, and not, and not a conference play, too. They haven't dropped a, a weekend series yet this year. And they're really impressive. I didn't see them this weekend. I, I set camp at UNC Georgia Tech. But NC State, I mean, just looking at what they do offensively, such a scary lineup. And if they're able to figure out Fridays, maybe Reed Johnston is the guy for them, a of, of freshman righty. He also pitched well in a midweek game against North Carolina at the at the Durham Bulls Stadium. If he's the guy for them on Friday, or whoever it is, if they figure that out, they're that much more dangerous because that's been a, a glaring hole for them this year. But, you know, I just want to say in general that in North Carolina, I mean, this past week and this week coming up, it's been a huge, huge, huge showcase for baseball in this state. And really, baseball here, and this is right in our backyard, our office is in Durham, and it's it's baseball is historically good this year. If you think about, I mean, this is the first time Duke has been at, at ranked as highly as they are. It's the first time NC State has been ranked as highly as they are. We have UNC back in the top 10 this week, ECU's back in the top 10 this week, and they've all been playing each other, which has been really cool. I mean, this past week, ECU and Duke played each other while NC State and North Carolina played each other. This week, ECU is going to play at Raleigh against NC State, that game's been sold out for a week already. And then, of course, we have NC State going against Carolina, North Carolina this weekend coming up, a huge rivalry series, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, I expect those games to be sold out and, and very loud as well. It, it's been cool to see that. Um, so we here we have four NC teams in the top 12, and they're all very deserving. They're all very dangerous teams, and uh, it's... Uh, It's what a time, what a time to be alive in uh, in North Carolina right
0: now. It is, and you know, you you look at this and the the ACC kind of turns on these two weekends, right? Because you have State, which is leading their division, and Duke and UNC fighting uh, for their division lead, and um, you know, State has to run through these in in successive weeks, Uh, you know, and if they come out ahead again this weekend you know they they're, they're going to be in great shape to go on and and win an ACC title. Uh conversely UNC you know has a, a great chance to go uh and prove itself this weekend uh you know making that long road trip uh from from Chapel Hill to Raleigh. Mike, how how long is that trip would you say? From Chapel Hill to Raleigh? Yeah.
1: It's uh you know it's about a good 30, 30 minute trip depending <laughs> on traffic. It depends on traffic on the 40. Depends but it depends on what time you leave, but yeah, it's it's you know so it's it's, it's an
0: arduous road trip is what we're saying here. and and so if <laughs> uh, if UNC is able to brave that and brave what will be legitimately a a very raucous environment at Doak Field, um, you know, then they can take over first place in this league and. Um, you know the the way it's going right now. It, you know that that's going to be very a very interesting series this coming weekend. And, and we can't forget about ECU. You mentioned them. Uh, you know they they won a game at at Duke midweek, and and then they have uh, NC State coming up. They are thirteen and one this season against teams from the state of North Carolina. They have a series win against UNC. Uh, they beat Duke already. They get their shot at State this week. Um, it is they are. They're trending towards state champion status. I mean, I, Tuesday, I from my understanding, the weather forecast is not great. So hopefully, that game is able to to be played um, for what essentially you know could determine the uh, uh, hypothetical state champion of of North Carolina. But whoever comes out on top this week, you know, all four of these teams are looking great uh, for the postseason. And uh, you know, the, this ACC race. I mean, it could be over this weekend, but. Um, you know, it, it, it's a, it's been a pretty intriguing race and, uh, you know, with North Carolina's surge here, uh, you know, they, they move up to number nine, 10, 10, number in, 10. The, in, in the top 25. Uh, there was a debate last night. We, were, discu- were, we discussed were, them in nine. Were, were they yeah. nine or were they 10? Uh, so they're number 10 in the top 25. Mike, I, that, that was a pretty significant jump. Uh, but you know, they've, they've earned it by, by jumping to the top of, of their division. Yeah, no no question. And,
1: and UNC was a team that we liked in the preseason. We had the number six. And, you know, really for them is they had a, a tough time early in the year. They did lose some significant pieces. They, they lost their uh, you know first rounders in their shortstop, Logan Wormuth, their center fielder, Brian Miller, and their ace, uh, J.B. Bukowskis, which those are big holes to fill. And early on, they struggled to find a rhythm. And even at the start of ACC play, but you look at them now, They've won their last four ACC series. They swept Georgia Tech in really impressive fashion, especially especially in Saturday's game. Um, they were down 6-2 at one point. A, a pinch hit, two strike, two out, grand slam by Jackson Hester. They tied the game. Then Georgia Tech took the lead in, in the 10th, 8-6. And then UNC came back and, and did the thing again and won the game. And then they went on to sweep the series with a blowout on Sunday. The thing that stands out to me about them is we knew that they would pitch, and even though they've, they've lost Luca Delatry to an injury, uh, they've still pitched really well, and they seem to have figured out their, their rotation. The thing that stands out is they're really swinging it a lot more now. It seems like offensively they've found their groove a bit more. Michael Bush has legitimately evolved into one of the, the better hitters in the ACC. Kyle Dattress has had a really nice year with his bat as well. And they seem to be finding their groove from that standpoint and finding a lineup that works for them. And, and that's really just, for them, it, it was just a, a transition that needed to take place. And they've played a really tough schedule. They have the second hardest strength of schedule in the country. So, you know, that's a big reason for their early struggles as well is just the level of competition they're playing. So I think this is, this is what we expected to see out of UNC. It just took a little bit longer to get to it than we maybe anticipated.
0: Yeah, and uh, the way they're playing right now, this is kind of what we. This is the team we expected, uh, in in large part, Um, and we we want to talk about some other changes in the top twenty-five. But while we're talking about the ACC, I I just want to touch on this race in general uh, because it's somewhat interesting to me in that you have some pretty, you know, some teams with really high RPIs. We've got five teams in this league. That can make hosting cases when you're looking at North Carolina State, North Carolina, Duke, Clemson, and Florida State. You got Louisville, which is sitting at 10 and 11 in the league with an RPI 42. It's a tough series loss to Virginia this weekend. The Cardinals are still looking good for regionals, but it is, uh, you know, they're they're doing their best to maybe not make this more interesting than it needs to be. And then after that the whole rest of the conference is kind of fighting just to get back to the bubble. Georgia tech had been there, but they're now nine and 12 in the league with the RPI 43 and trending in the wrong direction after losing back-to-back series to Pitt and UNC. Um, You know, there's some other intriguing teams here. Wake forest uh, has been solid, but after getting swept at Clemson, um, you know, they have a lot of work left to do. They're under 500 overall and back under 500 in the league. Miami same deal uh, Pittsburgh's up to third in the coastal uh, 21 and 16 overall but a 91 RPI Virginia you know like I mentioned a, a nice series win this weekend but they still have RPI le- work left to do and are 9 and 12 in the league I mean <laughs> I I have felt for like going back you know all year I felt like this was going to be a weird ACC year. I'm not sure this is exactly even what I expected. I knew it wasn't going to be great this year. There was just so much talent that left the league last season. But yeah, it's still a little – it's pretty stark to see that they have this – the ACC hasn't gotten fewer than seven bids to the NCAA tournament since 2008, and that's pre-conference expansion. And this year you're looking at six teams max probably.
1: Yeah, it is It is strange, and it has been a down year for the ACC. I think a lot of it is, as you mentioned, a lot of the talent has been drafted out of the league, and we have a lot of teams in this conference now that are still sort of in a rebuilding kind of phase. Um, and also injuries have, have hurt some teams as well. Specifically, Virginia has been banged up by injuries this year, though it seems like they're at least getting a little bit healthier, which is good for them because they're going to have to take care of business down the stretch here if they want to get in into this tournament, which they've done before the 2015 National Championship year. They didn't look like a regional team until they, they swept North Carolina late in the year and, and had a really good ACC tournament, and then they eventually got in and won the whole thing. So you never know what's going to happen, but it is it is definitely strange to see the struggles that some of these these teams, these perennial powers that we see in the ACC, to see them struggling, you know, the, the quote-unquote, I guess, name brands in, in ACC have been struggling this year uh, outside of an NC state obviously who hasn't struggled and, and UNC who's really turned it on of late so it's 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 been an odd year there's there's no question I'm not really sure how this is going to shake out obviously we have some RPI issues here some teams on the bubble it's 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 odd it's it's very odd to say the least it's a lot different from the SEC where the SEC is so clustered because these teams are all so good the ACC is more, it's more shrug emoji than, uh, <laughs> than fire emoji at this point, is what
0: I would say. It, I mean, it's going to be interesting down the stretch. Um, and obviously, some of these teams that have work to do could do the work necessary to, to get back um, into the tournament. And, and we, uh, we want to talk more about some of these top 25 changes. But now we have a word from our sponsor, Health IQ. How would you like to save money for being active and physically fit? Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com BA or call 1-800-549-1664 to talk to a Health IQ agent and mention the promo code BA for savings. Now, Mike, uh, North Carolina made the biggest jump of anyone in the top 25 this week, moving up from 19 to 10. Uh, the second biggest jump, I believe, I'm like 99% sure. I, I think it is. Uh, is UCLA. Moving- we can just say it is. <laughs> we don't have to go back and check. It's fine. We can, it's our poll. We can say whatever it is. we want. It's true. <laughs> um, so UCLA jumps from 15 to 9. And the Bruins, uh, this weekend, swept crosstown rival USC very convincingly. Um, they really brought out the bats, and the Bruins, of course, pitched pretty well, uh, and they scored something like 54 runs in that series. Uh, it was very impressive, and they are winning the Pac-12, and so they move into the top 10. Um, you know, Micah, just seeing what UCLA has done over the last month or so. I mean, it, it, this is a team that I feel like is is has real, real staying power. Um, in terms of being a, a, a top 10 team, in terms of being a Pac-12 contender. And I threw them into my update for Omaha, which I struggled with all day yesterday. But, um, you know, I, I ultimately picked UCLA, which, it, you know, I feel like they can, they can really make some noises the remainder of the season.
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, I think this team reminds me just a little bit of, the team a couple years ago that was the number one overall seed in the tournament. In that, offensively, they're really clicking right now. They're really hitting at a high level. I mean, you look at the run totals against UNC uh, USC this weekend and what they did there. I mean, double digit runs. I mean, close to twenty runs in, in the first two <laughs> games. I mean, pretty pretty impressive. I mean, they're they're hitting at a really high level. You know, guys like Michael Toglia and Chase Strump and. Jeremy Edens have all been hitting really, really well for them. And then add, a, add to, you know, their pitching prowess as well. You know, the pitching staff has gotten a little bit older now, a little bit more experienced. They've settled into their roles. And, you know, we knew that they were going to pitch. That's, that's pretty much been their M.O. But the fact that they're getting this extra offensive juice and they're, they're continuing to pad this Pac-12 lead I think they're in really good shape right now. Obviously, I mean, their RPI is hovering around 30. I think it's exactly 30 right now. And that's something that will need to be monitored going forward in terms of their hosting chances. But they're going to have opportunities to build that up um, going forward. They still play Oregon State on the schedule. They're going to finish the year at Oregon State, so that'll be a fun one. Um, and they also have a series remaining at Arizona, at Washington. So they, they'll have some chances here, but... I really like what they've been doing. I, I think, really, since Pac-12 plays started, they've been on a roll. And obviously, given the fact that they're in first place in the Pac-12. So I think they're a dangerous club. And, you know, the Pac-12, we were talking about this earlier today in the office. You have these three elite teams that have been very good and all have a chance to go to Omaha and potentially win the national championship in UCLA, Stanford, and Oregon State. The rest of the conference is a little tougher to decipher right now. Uh, there's there's a, a drop off, and uh, it's it's kind of similar to the ACC where it's it's a little bit it's a little bit thin behind those top three. Arizona uh, is is an interesting team. Their RPI is 38. Um, they're six and nine in the conference. I though. was feeling a
0: lot better about Arizona before yeah. they
1: got swept this weekend. Yeah, so it's just. A lot of these teams, I mean, Cal is a team I've liked all year, but they're 98th in the RPI. So it's just every team has some kind of warp at this point outside of those top three.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, I, real quick on UCLA, uh, I, I think a large, a, a, an important piece of why they've been able to, to really heat up here is they've gotten healthier. Uh, Garrett Mitchell, my pick for freshman of the year is back and he's been playing really well. And, uh, John Olson's back on the mound after that scary, um, you know, incident at, at Dodger Stadium early in the season when he got hit in the face by a line drive. He's back, um, you know, for for the Bruins, and um, you know, so just getting them back has been important. Getting this offense rolling has been impressive. Um, you know, and, and that's one thing that UCLA has been missing the last few years is, is that kind of offensive support. And you know they're really showing it this year, uh, ju- just how much they can do offensively. Um, and, and that makes them all the more dangerous. And I feel like if they were to get to Omaha this year, um, it'd still be a year ahead of schedule. These hitters are, you know, it's a very sophomore heavy lineup. Um, but, you know, they're, they're capable of doing it. You know, the, the way they're playing right now, um, you know, I, I really like them. But in the Pac-12 as a whole, I mean, see, so those three teams are all in line to host uh, if UCLA can solve its RPI problem, which I think they'll be able to do. And then after that, I mean, Washington's fourth in the league at 9-6, and six, just barely hanging over 100 with an RPI of 64. Uh, so obviously the margin is pretty thin for the Huskies. Uh, another team that, that we we've generally liked all season long. You know, Cal has RPI work. Arizona needs to find a way to get close to 500 in the league, uh, which is doable for them. They've already played Oregon State and Stanford, so I mean that's part of um, you know their, their league record. Even though they did win that Oregon State series, um, you know I, I think that's part of why the Wildcats are where they're at. But you know. Oregon has the next best RPI at 53, and they're 6-12 in the league, and, you know, that's going to be hard to reverse at this point. Um, it's, uh, it's a very top-heavy league, and, you know, I, they still probably get five bids, but maybe it's only four. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's tough to say at this point. I mean, there, there's still some baseball left, but also at the same time, we're getting to a point where the bubble is starting to be a little more defined, and, you know, if you have RPI work to do, it's – harder to ignore the fact that you really need to to start winning a lot of games.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is crunch time. I mean, this is the time where, uh, you know, we have to make some tough decisions in our field of 64 projections.
0: Last week was the hardest bubble decisions yet of the year. And it's only going to get
1: harder, I I think. I mean, this is, it's certainly, it's do or die for a lot of these teams at this point. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens in the Pac-12. It's you never know. it's been the conference has been pretty wild in the past couple of years as well. We've seen teams emerge late in the conference and go on to do nice things in the in the postseason. So it's possible that happens this year as well. It's possible it doesn't happen. So we'll see that that in the ACC, and for that matter, the big twelve, I mean all, all those conferences right now where we have a lot of clarity in the SEC with Florida, at least. Well, in we the SEC have
0: we have clarity at the top and then yeah. absolute like so the SEC is Florida is 14 and 4, Alabama has 5 wins, everyone else has somewhere between 10 and like oh, 7 wins. Literally everyone else in the league. That's that's 12 teams just jam-packed in the middle. And as a result, the SEC is going to end up like I've I've been fascinated with this possibility all season long of can the SEC get 10 teams in, can it match the record um, that it and the ACC have established for the, the most teams in a regional in one year. And in the two previous times that it happened, uh, there was a clear-cut seller and that what happened was these teams really beat up on the bottom three or four teams in the league and were able to acquire some, some wins that they needed without hurting their RPI much. Um, and, and that's how it happened. This year, it's probably going to happen for the SEC. They're going to get 10, maybe 11 teams in. Uh, But it's going to happen because everyone in the league is going to have 13 to 17 wins probably. And pretty generally, if you get to at least 14 SEC wins, you're minimally a bubble team. And 13 wins is still probably good enough. Uh, And and I feel like this year that it's just going to be that there are like eight teams that that are sitting right near 500. And they're just all going to get in because they're all going to have rather impressive resumes when you look at RPI and series wins, and people are not going to be happy um, that there are 10 or 11 SEC teams in the field. I, I feel very confident in that prediction. Um, but, you know, the, the league is very difficult to parse, um, and, you know, it, it's the way they're jammed up is, is just going to be pretty beneficial come Selection Monday. Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is, is
1: the SEC right now is – it's just deeper than these other conferences right now. These Not only does it mean more, it's deeper. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's just a deeper conference than these other conferences right now, and the other Power 5 conferences are a bit more top-heavy at this point, and it's harder to figure out the, the middle ground. And it's it is hard to figure out, as you said, the SEC, how clustered it is, but at the same time there's a lot more confidence that these teams are getting in versus these teams and these other conferences that are bunched together and have losing records and RPIs that are very bubble, bubblelicious.
0: Well, Mike, you mentioned the big 12 and I took that as an opportunity to talk about the SEC, which is probably the most on-brand thing I'll do today. Uh, but let's go back to the big 12 where we had another one of these intriguing uh, top of the conference showdowns, Texas tech hosts Oklahoma um, and Texas Tech comes out with a, a series win. Oklahoma, again, just a very tough series loss against one of the top teams in the conference. Last week, that was at home to Texas. Um, you know, They lost two games in the final couple innings uh, at Texas Tech. They lost on Friday. They, they blew a, a lead in the ninth inning again. And then uh, they got balked off on. Um, very unfortunate way to win to to lose uh a a walk off a balk in the 10th inning and if you watch the video it is 100 percent a balk there is nothing controversial about the call kid cavalli um i don't know so josh Young is on third base for texas tech and i think he's kind of fainting like he's maybe gonna try and steal home and cavalli it, it looks like it gets a little distracted and kind of loses himself on the mound and Um, that that's how that one ended and um, so Texas Tech wins the series Oklahoma another like I said another tough series loss three of their last four big 12 losses have happened when they've um, you know coughed up leads or or, or I guess the game was at least tied going into the eighth inning uh, and they've lost all three of those so I mean that's that's just a tough way to to lose these games and you know obviously those games could have gone either way and um, you know, Oklahoma just unable to find a way to win. So that means Texas Tech uh, moves slightly ahead of it in the Big 12 standings. Uh, Oklahoma State and Texas still uh, hanging out at the top, um, you know, and, and, and Texas Tech chasing them. Oklahoma this weekend gets gets Oklahoma State. I mean, Mike, th- these, it, it's, this conference is going to come down to the wire, I, I feel comfortable in saying. I believe, you know, Texas Tech and Texas and one of these two Oklahoma teams is – they're all going to be in the mix right, right until the end of the regular season. But what do you make of this uh, to this point? It's wild.
1: It's, it's is it the Wild West? It's 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 been the Wild West. I mean, a, a lot of what we anticipated seeing hasn't come to fruition. Obviously, we thought very highly of TCU coming into the year, and they've struggled. A lot of a lot of changes there. A lot of roster turnover and. Unfortunately, Luke and Baker' season is over um, after after breaking a, a bone in his leg. A very unfortunate injury, and you know we wish him a speedy recovery. But looking at the rest of the Big Twelve, I mean Oklahoma State in first is a surprise at this point. Not to not to knock Oklahoma State, uh, certainly a great coaching staff there. We're in Omaha a couple years ago, but still a team that is trying to piece together things on the mound and a team that. Has pitched to a you know five plus ERA this year yet still has managed to these these last few weekends really carve it up in the Big 12. I mean they just swept Kansas this weekend and they've won their last four series in the conference. So it's uh you know this I think this weekend series against Oklahoma this rivalry series is going to tell us a lot. About this conference, Oklahoma, after starting out 8 0, has since struggled um, as they face tougher competition within the conference. So I think it's a defining moment for both teams, which is cool because obviously it's, there's a lot of excitement there already because of the rivalry, and this adds additional excitement because I think we'll know more about the Big 12 depending on how this series goes. You know, obviously, Texas Tech is still the team that we like most in this conference, the team that's played the toughest schedule, number three in the RPI. I mean, uh, a legitimate Omaha team contender, certainly for the national title. Uh, as we get to that point, it's just you know just the way it's structured right now. They're in third place. It's it's kind of an odd year for the Big Twelve.
0: Yeah, and um, you know we talked about some teams in transition in the uh, in the ACC, and Oklahoma State was kind of in that same boat. You know, it's a uh, the. A lot of those core pieces from that Omaha team basically they, they've all moved on at yeah. this point and it's a it's a much younger team. and when I talked to Josh Holiday coming into the year, uh, you know he expected it might take them a little bit of time to figure some things out and they really did take their lumps early. Um, you know they lost a series to Arizona State, lost a series to Eastern Michigan, but they have figured it out and they have put themselves in a, a really nice position here. Um, where they have a lot left ahead of them, you know they still have this series against Oklahoma. They they still play uh, Texas Tech, um, you know. So they, they have they have it all in front of them, and they're in first place. So if if they can, um, you know, they, they're looking great right now, and um, you know we'll we'll see how, how they hold up. It's a different look Oklahoma State team than than what we've been used to the last few years, but they have been they have been hitting well. That that they absolutely have been. You know, um, Colin Simpson is is slugging for them, and and uh, you know they have some intriguing pieces on the mound. So you know if they if they have this figured out, I mean that's a that's a definite team that that can you know stay in this all the way through.
1: Yeah, you know, offensively, I think it's been a big reason why they've made this push because you look at their conference numbers, they're hitting 285 as a team, 42 slugging, 385 on base. Uh, Colin Simpson, as you mentioned, he set five home runs in 15 conference games. Uh, Carson McCusker, a new player for them. He's really come on strong in conference play. He's had four home runs in just 13 games. John Littell, you know, one of the few veterans that they have in that lineup. He's been really steady, hitting 362 in conference play. Matt Kroon, an important transfer for them, has been hitting 300 in Big 12 play. So, the offense has really stepped up for the Cowboys. I think there's still there's still work to be done on the mound, but they have pitched at least a little better in Big 12 play. We'll see if they're able to hold their own against Oklahoma and, and some of those great hitters that they have in that lineup, namely Steele Walker. We'll see if they're able to hold their own against them. But it's certainly, I mean, given where their RPI is at this point, given the fact that they're first in the Big 12, Oklahoma State is a, a regional team right now. There, there's no question.
0: Absolutely. And, Mike, I, I don't want to make you make a bedlam pick right now, but I do want to make you pick who has the better name Carson Mus- McCusker or Steel Walker?
1: That's a good question. Um, I like Steel Walker better. Um, I, that's that's my final answer.
0: Okay, I'm gonna lock it in. Steele Walker also uh, really has been hitting great. He homered again um, and you know the the way he's hitting, in the heart of that lineup with Kyler Murray hitting behind him I mean that's been a huge part of why the Sooners have been scoring a lot of runs uh, and and they're gonna need they're gonna need those guys going this weekend um, in what should be a great bedlam battle uh, starts in Oklahoma City moves to Tulsa three neutral site games always always a fun time for the fans uh, out there in Oklahoma um, you know now looking further down the this this top 25, we have four teams come in this week. Yep. Uh, we have South Florida entering at 20. Uh, we have Tennessee Tech making its first ever appearance in the Baseball America Top 25 at 21. They have won 25 straight games. I would say they've
1: earned it. I, I don't think there's much more. Than they, they are 34 done, and so. 5. Yeah, no, That.
0: <laughs> frankly, no. Like that was That was the conversation last night was, all right, they're 34 and 5. They have the most, win- they're tied with Florida for the most wins in the country. They're 25, 25- they have this 25 game winning streak, which is the longest in college baseball since Illinois ran off 27 in a row three years ago. Um, they're dominating the Ohio Valley. Uh, they're into the top 25 in RPI. The, the Tennessee Tech has done everything possible. For a team
1: in that conference, in that situation, That's that's really what you have to do. Not necessarily win 25 in a row, but you have to have that level of dominance because your, your schedule just isn't going to have the same strength.
0: No, I mean, when you, when you look at the schedule Tennessee Tech has played, it's been okay. Uh, you know, yeah. they, they did some good things out of conference in terms of scheduling. They, they went out and they, they scheduled Little Rock, which is having a really nice year. Uh, they scheduled Troy, which is always a solid Sunbelt program, too. And, um, you know, so they, they they were out there doing some stuff and some of their midweeks have been pretty good, but the Ohio Valley is is not a conference where we're typically looking for top 25 contenders from, and they've really transcended that. And, you know, part of that is that it's a, it's a pretty veteran group, and it's a team that we saw last year uh, make noise in a regional. They went out. They went to Tallahassee last year. They, they win uh, that first game, uh, you know, knocking Florida State into the loser's bracket. Ultimately, the, the Noles are able to climb out of that. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, what they did last year, uh, they showed how much they can do offensively. They've continued to really rake, um, and and they they're, they pitched pretty well this weekend too. You know they um, they really held Southern Illinois um, you know in check offensively. It's a very offensive league, so Tennessee Tech style of play fits in with the rest of the OVC. Uh, but they also have some some pitching beyond hitters like Kevin Strosheen and uh, Alex Junior, and um, you know. The last time I looked at their stats, like eight of their regulars were hitting above 300. It's it's kind of amazing to to look at. But Matt Braga has done a great job with that program. He's a Northeast Ohio guy, so uh, you know that doesn't hurt either. We have Minnesota at 23, and Jacksonville comes in at 25. Um, Mike, what do you make of uh, of Minnesota? And um, you know, just it, it was a, a nice series win for them this weekend against Iowa. Yeah,
1: I thought you know it was a nice test. Iowa's been playing really well of late, and as a team that we've discussed a, a little bit in the top twenty-five, and to take care of them and handle business the way they did, I thought was was really really nice for the Gophers to do that. I mean, you look at the schedule they've played this this year; they have a nice series win against St. John's, they have a good nice series win at TCU. You know, they've been sort of on the cusp this whole year. Now they're positioned in second place in the Big Ten. Uh, nine and two overall in the conference and we've I know we felt as though the Big Ten deserved a second team in our top 25 and for us just given what they've done to this point Illinois dropped out as they lost this weekend it was a and bad week for Illinois yeah it didn't it didn't things didn't work out for Illinois this they're, weekend. they're at home
0: against Valpo and Grand Canyon and went one and three and if you read the Field of Sixty Four last week, I wrote that Illinois with a good finish could host a regional, could could put itself in a position potentially where it could host. And I think that is all gone now. They'll have a they'll have a big
1: test this weekend coming up as they'll go to Indiana, which Indiana had a difficult weekend as well. The Big Ten is again, it's another conference that's really tough to figure out right now. But both of us had confidence in minnesota given what they've done they've been consistently good this year and i think for me winning that series against iowa this weekend was really just the tipping point um going forward though it's not going to get any easier they go to ohio state who's been really good this year
0: they just beat indiana that that's why indiana didn't have a good weekend because they went to columbus
1: so so the minnesota will be doing the same and then they'll play indiana themselves so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, you know. They it's up to them whether they stay in the top twenty five or not. Um, you know, the, the the stretch of games coming up is really gonna define their season, I think. But um, you know, certainly for both of us, what they've done to this point, we thought, felt was top twenty five worthy.
0: Yeah, and it was tight uh, when you're, you're trying to parse those Big Ten teams after Indiana, which uh, I think we still feel pretty good about them being the best team in the Big Ten, but. Uh, they're left with a lot of work to do in terms of the Big Ten standings. Michigan has has run out to an 11-0 start. Uh, they're on a 20-game winning streak. Um, and, you know, it's going to get harder for Michigan from here. But at the same time, the schedule also plays into their favor. They don't play um, Indiana. They don't play Ohio State. They don't play Minnesota. But while... Like, like That also is pretty significant for these other teams, which are now trying to chase down Michigan without the benefit of ever playing head-to-head against them. So they're going to need some help from some of these other teams to find a way to slow down the Wolverines, which is something that no one in the Big Ten has been able to figure out uh, to this point. And then Ohio State, uh, with a really big series win against Indiana, they lost on Friday night come back on Saturday to even the series and then it was a really tense game back and forth uh it goes 12 innings on on Sunday before uh, Ohio State is finally able to to pull it out and you know they're right in the the heart of this uh this Big Ten race as well and you know any of those teams could go out and win this conference any of those teams uh you know you see them in a regional I don't think anyone's going to be happy about finding out that that they get drawn with those teams so Uh, it's an interesting conference race, and that, like the Big 12, definitely coming down to the final weekend.
1: Yeah, it should should be plenty of excitement in all these races, and, uh, you know, backtracking just a little bit, um, don't want to gloss over South Florida, which is the the highest ranking team that we brought in this week, and a team that's that's really done some, some nice things, clearly, the last few weekends, you know, went to ECU and took that series, which, This is the first series ECU and the only series ECU has dropped this year, which was impressive, especially after coming back in that Friday game when they were blown out with McClanahan on the mound. This weekend, they take two of three against UCF, which is a team that has appeared in our top 25 points this year. They also have a series win against UConn earlier in the year. And then, you know, schedule-wise, they hosted North Carolina to open the season. They dropped that series, but they still get a win in that series. Good for their RPI. And you look at them; they sit at number 21 in the RPI right now. They're 26 and 14, nine and six in the American. They're right there in the race. Everyone's right there in the race in the American. They're all they're all in the race. It's 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 another it's another conference that's going to go down to the wire. But they've been what I've been impressed with South Florida. Obviously, it's a, a first year head coach and Billy Mole who's taking over for Mark Kingston, who had a nice weekend himself with South Carolina sweeping LSU, a, a team that. Fell out of our rankings along with Texas A&M. But you look at South Florida, what's impressed me is the way they've hit this year. A very offensive lineup, um, a lot of some power, some speed, a very versatile, dynamic group, hitting nearly 300 as a team, really tough to pitch to. And then you you mix in a pitching staff that features Shane McClanahan, who has been inconsistent, especially of late, but when he's on, he's as good as anybody in the country that's dangerous and they've pitched well as a team, you know, with the guys behind him as well. So it's a really talented group. It speaks to the recruiting job that they've done, especially with Kingston there at the helm and the talent that they've built up. And we're seeing really just the evolution of this roster of that great class that they brought in a couple of years ago. It's really coming together for them. Well,
0: yeah, you can read a lot more about South Florida and off the bat over at baseball, And when I was writing that, um, You know, it it struck me, like, that recruiting class, we knew it at the time. We ranked it number eighth in the the country in 2015. Um, Those are the juniors now, um, and they are this team, essentially. Um, There are seven players from that recruiting class in the everyday lineup. The other two players are a senior and a junior college transfer. So it's a very old lineup. Um, the pitching staff, there are two, two of the starters, um, McClanahan and Peter Strzelecki are from that recruiting class. The closer Andrew Perez is from the recruiting class. So that recruiting class, uh, has lived up to a lot of its hype and it's really taken this team where it is right now. Um, and and that's been very impressive just to see their development over the last few years uh, and, Mike, you mentioned how, just how good that lineup is, how much power they're hitting for. That, that's a, a development, really, um, that we didn't see so much last year with the team. Last year with Kevin Merrill, uh, their, their All-American shortstop, um, you know, he was kind of a speedy table-setter kind of guy. and uh, I, I felt like the team kind of took after that a little bit, that they were, they were that kind of, of offense. Well, this year they're hitting a lot more home runs. And uh, Billy Mole credited um, new assistant coach Chuck Terolman, uh, with uh, you know helping them improve their approach at the plate and and be able to tap into some of that power and um, you know so it, it's just been a, a really natural evolution to this point for for South Florida but but it really all comes back to with this group specifically that 2015 recruiting class which you know was amazing how they put it together they put it that together within like a year of showing up that they were able to find guys who. Uh, weren't committed yet or, or, you know, be able to put piece some stuff together um, and, you know, grab a guy like Shane McClanahan who, uh, you know, was looking to, to stay home for school. Uh, you know, he's, he's, not, he's from not far from Tampa and, uh, you know, some of these other guys. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's an impressive – it was an impressive build from Mark Kingston and Billy Mole uh, being able to take that natural transition uh, from pitching coach under Kingston to now head coach and um, you know, finding, finding a way to win a lot of games uh, in, in his first season. It's, uh, you know, he said he was fortunate to inherit that kind of situation, and in many ways he was, but also he was a huge part of the reason why he was able to inherit that situation t- to begin with. He was a part of, of recruiting all these players and, and developing that pitching staff and uh, now is reaping the, those rewards. So it, it's impressive to see South Florida doing what they're doing in the American this season.
1: No question, no question, and as Teddy said, you could read more about that and off the bat on BaseballAmerica.com, and the last team, last but not least, that we brought in here in the 25 is Jacksonville, they had a really loud week, they're one of the few teams that can say they beat Florida this year, um, they beat Florida in a midweek game, 8-4 to four at Florida.
0: There's seven teams that can say that this year. Seven
1: teams, and and then on top of that, they swept a series at St. Louis, which St. Louis is leading team or was it leading Yeah, team? they are the they leading, team still leading team, leading team in the Atlantic 10. Very good team, a team with really good pitching staff, especially Jacksonville wins that series, sweeps that series. A lot of close games there, but they get it done. They're 28 and 13, uh, 6 and 3 in the A Sun, and we see them creeping up in the RPI as well. Uh, I believe uh, it's
0: not creeping up. They made a big y- jump last week. Yeah. They're all the way up to 16. Yeah. Um, which is is that's very higher impressive. Than I
1: even. I the last time I looked, at I saw they're in the twenties. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that a, that's they a good um
0: job. they they did a lot of work last week. I don't think any team in the country last week did more to help their postseason resume than Jacksonville did. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that's a team that you know is a really solid solid team and, and an experienced team. They um you know just missed the NCAA tournament last year. Um you know they uh the the a Sun Tournament Championship game against Gulf Coast, I believe, went down to the absolute wire. It might have even been a walk off. Um, you know, they won the regular season last year um, and just missed out from an RPI standpoint. But that's not going to be a problem this year, I don't think. And uh, you know, they, they've they played very, very impressively. And, and I, I just felt like what they've done, uh, not just last week, but over the course of the year, um, you know, they kind of they they really earned their way into this ranking. They've lost one series all year um, at Georgia Southern or to Georgia Southern, and that's a really solid Sun Belt team as well. And um, you know, so Jacksonville into the rankings for the first time in 21 years.
1: Yeah, no, it certainly certainly can't have a more impressive week. Well, you can, but it, it was certainly a really impressive week for Jacksonville. And and having and just talked
0: about the job Billy Moles doing in his first year, Chris Hayes, yeah. second year coach at Jacksonville, and he's done just a really great job these these last two seasons uh since he took over the program so mike um you know we've talked about all these teams coming in we've talked about a lot of conference races i feel like we've covered a lot of ground again this week maybe not quite as much ground as last week (laughs) last week was kind of a banner podcast in terms of how much ground we were able to cover but this week a little more focused uh but i did want to touch on a, a few more things around the country there were like three more no hitters this weekend um getting hard to keep track it is um there were all of them were kind of interesting too. There was uh, Connor Van Hoose, uh Bucknell seven inning no hitter. That was maybe the least interesting of them. Uh, no offense to Connor Van Hoos, but he threw it on his senior day. He is a senior throwing a no hitter on senior day. Fantastic way to uh, to to cap your your senior season uh, at home there for for the Bucknell uh, right hander. Um, then we had another no hitter uh, that Saturday. Uh, Maine's John Errol uh, threw a no-hitter in a one nothing loss. Um, he threw six no-hit innings. Again, seven-inning game. Uh, they go on to lose one nothing to UMass Lowell. Uh, still counts as a no-hitter, though, and that's that's really what counts here. It's still kind of a bummer, though. It is. I, I don't it's know how I'd feel about
1: that. Yeah, it's a little bit of a bummer.
0: And then on Sunday, Washington State, four pitchers, threw a combined no-hitter. That's the Cougars' second no-hitter uh, of the season. Um, I the The fact that yeah, you know, it just fits in with everything else that you know a, a program can have two no hitters this season, and that's the second program oh. with two no hitters this season. Hofstra also did it, so twenty two no hitters were up to around the country. Yes, um, and, and they have
1: thirteen wins on the season. Yeah, so two of their thirteen <laughs> wins have been
0: no hitters. Washington State uh, is like eleven and twenty in games they don't throw no hitters or something to that effect. Um, yes, it's it's maybe not. Not what you want, but two and zero in
1: games in which they do throw no hitters,
0: so. and that that's the positive. So we'll focus, we'll accentuate as, the positive as as we talked about <laughs> yeah, it. It doesn't always possible. happen. It, yeah, you
1: could also lose with a no no, so that is a positive for them.
0: Um, you know, so that that continues our, our crazy year of of no hitters around college baseball. Um, Stephen Wells also probably deserves a, a shout out for. Um, I think he reached base seventeen of twenty two played appearances this week. He was fourteen of seventeen. Overall, his average jumped like 100 points. Uh, very impressive week for the Florida State outfielder. Um, and uh, also related to Florida State, they uh, won the, the annual ALS game in Fenway Park against uh, Boston College. I know that's a, a cause, Mike, that um, you've know you you've talked with uh, Mike Gambino a lot over the years. And uh, it's always a, a fun, fun thing that they do, uh, a great cause. And I think they put like 5,000 people in Fenway Park for that game.
1: Yeah, no it's it's a great it's a great thing that happens every year. Um, you know, Boston College, Gambino, every, everyone up there, and really the ACC as a whole has done a great job of embracing that cause, trying to strike out AOS. Obviously, it's it's a disease and a condition that that has plagued baseball, especially. I mean, obviously named after Lou Gehrig, so it's you know it's it's nice to see that the ACC and particularly Boston College has taken ownership of that issue and has really done something positive about it. So, you know, a tip of the cap to them and, and to that program for continuing the fight against ALS, because it is a really important issue in baseball and just in the world
0: at large. And Pete Freights, uh, the former Boston college captain is, is a huge part of the reason why BC has, has taken the lead on this initiative. And uh, it was great to see him, uh, you know, he was able to be out at Fenway. It was, it was great to see the pictures of him uh, out there and, um, you know, that that's uh obviously a very inspirational um figure for for Boston College and, and generally in baseball in general. Um, you know, the way he has has uh fought that disease and, and really raised a lot of awareness uh about it uh over the last few years. Everything from the
1: ice bucket challenge to to the the wristbands that they wear, all the Fenway park game. I mean, they've they've done a lot, and P. Fredis is a also an excellent Twitter follow. He's got a great sense of humor, and
0: even if uh, he gets reported that he's dying, uh, yeah. he finds a way to 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 spin that and and to find a positive, uh, fun, humorous light to that.
1: Yeah, he he's just I I strongly, if you don't follow him, I strongly recommend you follow him because it is very inspiring the way he's fought against this disease and and really raised raised awareness for it and helping to find a cure for it. So. Again, tip of the cap to, to him, to Boston College, to Florida State for participating in it, and for everyone who has helped raise awareness for ALS.
0: So uh, that's going to do it for, for our podcast today. Uh, again, another, another fun week of college baseball to come this weekend. Uh, some big rivalry series this weekend. Um, you know, We'll have plenty of coverage on that over at BaseballAmerica.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Mike was talking about how great Pete Freights is as a Twitter follower. And I don't know if, Mike, I, I don't know if we want to say you're that good. You're pretty good. Uh, right. But you are wearing a shirt with your Twitter handle on it. So that's yeah. M. because you can't see it. I can. Uh, but he's at M. Linana. I'm at Ted Cahill um it's all about personal branding it is it's it's about the brand and speaking of the brand. brand uh maybe you could like subscribe or, or review the podcast if you haven't done that already um i mean it'd
1: be cool it'd be super cool if you if you yeah you <laughs> if you're listening right now and you're enjoying this and you've gotten to this point in the podcast, i mean you've, you've listened to the whole thing so just, obviously you're invested
0: j- just hit the subscribe button or, or the or, or hit the five stars next to it on, on itunes or stitcher or wherever you're listening to this listen podcast. i'll take
1: four stars I prefer five though.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: Four or five. That's fine. That's fine. Wherever,
0: wherever your heart leads you, we'll, we'll be okay with that. Um, and we'll be back here next week for another edition of this four or five star podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll have plenty more to talk about. Uh, you know, we're, it'll be May next week, I guess, almost, I, I guess it won't be quite May. It'll be the last day of April, but we're getting down to it is, is my point here. Uh, selection Monday is coming and, uh, so we'll, we'll be talking all about the, these these hosting races and the bubble and all the wonderful conference uh, uh, title races that, that we talked about this week. We'll have we'll plenty more to talk about next week, won't we, Mike? Uh, we'll have a
1: lot. We will. There, there's no question.
0: Um, so, yeah, we want to thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America College podcast. Our college podcasts are sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ helps health-conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Visit HealthIQ.com BA to see if you qualify. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Crispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.